Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or if you are on Twitter, if you don't know what Twitter is, it really doesn't matter. But if you do know what Twitter is and you use it, uh, you can tweet at us or tweet to us with the Twitter handle at SFDiocese and use the hashtag ignition. Again, at SFDiocese, hashtag ignition. And I want to remind you, because I know some of you listening to Ignition um, do use Twitter, but I have not gotten much feedback uh, via Twitter for quite some time now. So you know who you are. You need to tweet us at SFDiocese and use the hashtag ignition. So once again, uh, for those of you who tuned in last week, um, I had a great co-host. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here this week. So, no, uh, Father Joseph, that's a joke, Father. Ha, ha, ha. I uh, thought you were talking about somebody else. <laughs> Sorry. I haven't done much radio, Dr. Bergwald. <laughs> Father Joseph Scholten is a priest with the Diocese of Zoo Falls. He right. is my um, my co-host this week, uh, helping fill in. We'll figure out what we're going to do long term. Um, and it, it's a conundrum. What to do to replace Father Dickinson, Father? It's, hmm. it's a tough Tough nut to crack. Big shoes to fill, Big you might say. Big shoes to fill. So, Father, why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, though? Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, Father Joseph Schulten, priest for the Diocese of Sioux Falls, the best little diocese on the prairie. And uh, and I'm the associate pastor, parochial vicar at the best little parish in Sioux Falls, St. Lambert Parish. I'm also the chaplain at O'Gorman Junior High School, uh, of which I am a proud alumnus. Ah, you are indeed. Um um, what was I going to say? Oh, parochial vicar. Yeah. You know, uh, just briefly on that, Father. Uh, actually, Are you going to ask me what that means? Yes, I am, but I'll give you a minute to think about it. I'm Chris <laughs> I Bergwald. I might need more than a minute. I might I, need Wikipedia. I'm uh, Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, been in that role for 15 years. Uh, been in another role as a husband to Jermaine for eight. Years. Don't mess this up. Eighteen okay. years. We have we have five kids. <laughs> At um, least you got that number right. We got that number right. I got Confident. that number right. Uh, five children. Um, great kids. Um, happy to attend that uh, same parish that Father is parochial vicaring at. That is Saint Lambert's here in Sioux right. Falls. So, do you know what it means? Well, uh, I usually just tell people I'm Father Young, a sidekick. Father... <laughs> so does. The... <laughs> Is that what it means? <laughs> well, so here, here, let's let's unpack well, this a vicar, little bit. So a vicar, right? right, right. Isn't a vicar sort of uh, somebody's auxiliary, or is that not auxiliary? Well, but they're kind of an outreach, represent, of, yes. represent the person, yeah. you know. So the, like, vicar, uh, so the pope is the vicar of Christ, right? So he sort right, of right. represents Jesus in a sense to us yeah. in a particular way, right? So right parochial. at a diocesan level, you know, you've got vicars like the bishop has vicars, like the vicar for clergy or the the vicar general. So uh, if you don't, um, the bishop is tied up somewhere else. You can go to the vicar general, and he can sort of take care of some of the uh, 
some of the judiciary or legislative yeah, in fact, tasks of the bishop. So, so minor point, I think, of a, a ecclesiastical trivia. If a bishop is outside of his own diocese, then I think that the uh, vicar general has some of the rights and responsibilities of the bishop because he is the vicar right. yeah, he's the, general. Uh, he is so as you were just saying, designated, some, right. some judicial that... and legislative matters can be addressed by the vicar general when the bishop is out of the territory. Right, right. And okay. so I think at a parish level, you know, I can uh, I can perform people's baptisms, weddings and things, even though, you know, it's your pastor. The pastor is the priest that uh, that is assigned to you to care for you and um, your family and to help to get you to heaven. Right. And uh, my job is to assist with that as a priest as well. Very good. So you are the program vicar at St. Lambert in Sioux Falls, and you are filling, well, not filling in, you are guest hosting uh, ignition with me this week and yes. last week, and maybe sometime in the future. I don't know. We'll <laughs> we'll have to see how today goes. We'll see. So uh, last week, um, if you uh, weren't able to listen to episode three hundred thirty three, uh, we talked. We, we, Father and I gave a little introduction to how to approach sacred scripture, how to read as a disciple. Um, and, and then we spent a few minutes at the end of the episode um, looking at how the New Testament relates to Jesus in particular. So um, sort of unpacking w- what is the New Testament, how do we read it as a, disciple, as a disciple of Christ. So Father, I think it would be good. And so this episode, we're going to look more at the Old Testament and how to read it as a disciple of Christ, um, how it relates to Jesus himself. Um, but before we get into those details, I think it'd be good in case uh, somebody wasn't able to listen to um, last week's episode, just for us to briefly, briefly recap. Um, what we we spent a good bit of time unpacking sort of how to read Scripture as a disciple in a broad way, um, looking at things like what is the Bible, errors and that we can fall into, and so on. But in a nutshell, what do you think? How do we read Scripture as a disciple of Christ? Absolutely. We, uh, we read Scripture as a disciple by recognizing that we already have some affinity between who we are as Christians, as believers, and this writing or this collection of writings, which is the Bible. That is the... We are disciples fundamentally uh, because of Christ, for the sake of Christ, and it's Christ that's called us and uh, changed our lives with his grace. And it's Christ who speaks to us through the scriptures as well. And the scriptures speak about Christ. Their, their main message is the, is the person of Jesus Christ. Christ is the fullness of God's revelation to the world. God wants to speak to the world. He wants to manifest and make known who he is and his great love for us uh, to the world. He does that in the person of Jesus, and the scriptures are a witness to Jesus. Mm. And uh, and because we believe in Christ and follow Christ, we can have this kind of familiarity in approaching the scriptures, even if we might not be as familiar with some of the details or some of the uh, historical particularities we can still approach with this confidence that this speaks about someone whom I know, uh, someone who loves me, and this is just another way to come to know him, love him, and follow him more closely. Okay. Yeah. And so when we, we looked at the New Testament, and I love the, the, the image of the metaphor that you used, um, the New Testament is one of the reverberations of the incarnation, one of the 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 impacts lasting throughout time that Jesus had when he became one of us in the incarnation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Because the New Testament grows out of this community that begins to form around Christ that he forms and calls the community that we now know is the the early church. 
which is continuous with the the church to which we happily belong today. Um, the church is formed when Christ changes people. Christ comes into people's lives and and affects them, draws them together into this communion that's bigger than themselves. And uh, and the New Testament writings, the various letters and the gospels. Um, are the fruit of this community, um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, with the, the His guarantee that um, that these words speak truly. They speak the truth that God wants to reveal. Right. Okay. So this ep- this week, then we're going to look now back at the Old Testament. We talked about uh, one of this um, last week, uh, early on in the introduction. We talked about how Scripture is composed. It's not just one book, actually. Um, it is in the sense there's one common author, but in another sense, it's seventy three separate texts. But there's also also that division into the New Testament and the Old Testament. Of course, the Old Testament relating the history of God's people um, before the coming of Jesus, and the New Testament after the coming of Christ. So, um, <laughs> but the, where do we begin when we talk about how the Old Testament then relates to Jesus? Well, I think um, I think the book of Hebrews is a great place to start, and I referred to this in the last episode. That's but in it, the New Testament. Well, I'm confused now. Oh, what? Yep, we're jumping all the, all the <laughs> way around. And you know why we can do that? Because it's all about Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. And the scriptures are our books as Amen. Christians, Amen. right? Amen. This isn't something foreign to us, but um, you know, when the fathers approach, this is kind of an aside. I'll get to your question in a second. But when the fathers approach, you're scripture, stalling. You're stalling. I know. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. It's like it's like they just play. You know, yeah. it's like they just they can enter into this freely, and they just they just play, um, and they they study and they ponder and they question. But um, but because of their confidence in the faith that they've received through the church. Uh, because of their confidence in, in the truth that they know in Christ, um, they have this great freedom in, in moving from, from symbol and figure to uh, history. And, um, and some would say, well, that's illegitimate interpretation or misunderstanding of what Scripture is meant to mean and try to impose really nick, narrow, uh, rigid categories on it. Um, but because of the fact of the Incarnation, because of Christ, there's this freedom that's introduced. And so... Uh, all of that to say, I have no problem with starting with so, Hebrews. But I, I love that. So we they, they play in it. Uh, to me, the, the 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 image that came to my mind when you were saying that was like a um, an elementary school playground, um, and w- the the the, the teeter totter might be um, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and the uh, merry go round is Exodus, hmm. whatever, and they and they just. The fathers of the church, the saints, frankly, not right. just the, but right. the saints, run around and 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 they play on this, and then they go play on that. So so they 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 read something in Exodus, and then they 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 connect to something they just read in Matthew, and so on. So I, again, the, another word that you used, a freedom there uh, to make connections within all of Scripture, uh, a freedom to, mm-hmm. beca- again, because it is one book in the sense that it's got one divine author who inspired these mul- multiple various human authors, but the one divine author, there, you have that freedom. This is this is my dad's book. This is my, my father yes. wrote this book. Yes. And so I can, I can make connections between texts that were written centuries, even millennia apart. Right. Because my dad wrote it. Right. And that's exactly the way I think to approach the Old Testament as Catholics. Okay. Not as this imp- imposing 
dark, mysterious thing that I don't understand, but as my father's book. Right. Uh, and the same Holy Spirit that inspired those authors all those centuries, millennia ago, that Holy Spirit, that same Spirit is in you in an even greater fullness right. in virtue of your baptism, in virtue of your confirmation, right. and your, your life of faith in Christ. Amen. Yeah. So so play around, Father. Go, go to Hebrews, even all right. though it's in the New Testament. All right. So Hebrews <clears throat> begins with that beautiful phrase. In ancient times, or in former times, God spoke to our fathers in varied ways, through prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, whom he also appointed heir of all things. So that text post points to two things. That opening points to both the reality of God's word in the Old Testament, and the fullness of God's word in Christ, mm. uh, which comes to fruition in the New Testament. So, so the Old Testament is real revelation, and Jesus says as much uh, when he talks to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He points out all the things that referred to him in the Old Testament, uh, and the prophets and the law, which is essentially the Jewish Old Testament. Later on, he mentions the Psalms as well. So he's saying, all of this speaks about me. Um, and that's our key. That's our key for understanding the Old Testament. Um, I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so let me. I had so, a great follow up to that. So, so you think I about your follow up because there's all something right. there that. Oh, oh you got it. Already. I've got it. Yeah, but I was gonna. Okay, say, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, this is this is a point that Bishop Barron makes, and I think he gets it from the Anglican Scripture scholar N. T. Wright. Hmm. Um, when we're talking about the Old Testament, its relation to Christ, and our temptation maybe as Christians, because the Old Testament is is for some reason um, more foreign and unfamiliar to us, we, we want to skip to the Gospels and the letters and the New Testament and so on. But you can't do that, because that's like jumping to the last chapter of a novel. The, the, the scripture tells us the story of God's people, mm -hmm. all of his people, and the coming of Christ is the climax of that story. Mm -hmm. That'd be like, um, uh, take this. Okay. There's so many star Wars movies these days, mm. four, five, and six, the original trilogy. This is great because I was going to use star Wars later Ooh, on. Anyway. Nice. See, this is, this is divine providence. That's right. Um, star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, four, episodes four, five, and six is there. They are. We know them now. Um, you, you, you can't just jump to the end of the return of the Jedi and, and, and not watch the rest of the trilogy. Right. Have any idea of right. what this story is about. Right. Like, who cares if Darth Vader throws yeah. the, uh, the Emperor off exactly. the balcony? Well, if you don't know yeah, all, that, all that comes before that. Exactly. Right. So we, if we really want to understand who Christ is for the world and for me, I need to understand the Old Testament. Exactly. This was the problem of uh, Marcion, that right. great second century heretic, right. who basically tried to chop up the Bible. Yep. He tried to chop up, well, first he chopped off the Old Testament and said, well, this is, he had the same problem that I think a lot of us have. He said, well, this is all kind of dark and mysterious and confusing, and is this supposed to be literal history? I can't believe some of this stuff. A guy gets swallowed by a whale. And, right. and uh, he said, you know what? To heck with it. We just need the New Testament. You know why he couldn't do that? 
because so much of the New Testament is tied with the Old Testament. Right. So in the end, he had to get rid of the Gospel of Matthew. He was he had to get rid of the Gospel of Mark. He had to get rid of all sorts of things so that in the end, he was just reduced to Luke and Acts and the letters of Paul. And even then, he had to get, cut out parts of Luke exactly. because those refer to the Old Testament yep. too. Think of the whole, uh, whole introduction, the first chapters of Luke, where it's talking about uh, the Annunciation to first of... Uh, to Zechariah and then to Mary and all of the Old Testament echoes that are in those passages. Jesus was born into a specific context, to a specific, into a specific people, this people of Israel that God had formed a covenant with, that he remained faithful to as a preparation for the incarnation of his son. Right. And so all of that, all of the history of Israel, the sometimes tragic history of this people, Jesus draws on and recapitulates. What does that mean? To use the word of uh, the first century or the second century um, father of the church, Saint Saint Irenaeus, Jesus recapitulates. He he sort of takes up once again and renews and and deepens and makes more clear and explicit all that had come before mm. him in the history of this people, which began with Abraham and grew to the nation of Israel. You're listening to Ignition. This is a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm Chris Bergwald. Brother Joseph Scholten and I are talking today about how the Old Testament relates to Jesus Christ and how we can read the Old Testament as disciples of Jesus. If you have questions about what we're discussing, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition. So... Was that the point, Father, getting back to where we left off? You lost a thought. Yes. I started to interject, and you regained the thought, but I had to continue my train of thought. This is a perfect uh, back and forth. Yeah, I just wanted to to point out who Marcion is and why he's dead wrong. And you know, I, I, it's, by the way, one of the I've, I've heard his name name pronounced Martian before, which I just like even more because like, <laughs> like he's he's like from way out. Isn't there, there. a Looney Tunes uh, Martian? There is. I kind of like him, so I don't want to. Okay, you don't associate. Yeah. Mar- you you can stick with Martian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So with that as a well, not that as a context. Um, having said that, what else might we say about how we can read the Old Testament as a disciple of Christ? We have about ten minutes left in today's episode, Father. Absolutely sure. Well. Uh, to get into some of the some of the nuts and bolts of it, um, there are we typically think of the you know the main uh, distinction in Scripture is Old and New Testament, but then within the Old Testament, uh, there are there are some divisions and differences to keep in mind as well. Um, yesterday or last week, we talked about how uh, how Scripture is composed of various books, and all the books have their own personalities, like uh, like members of a family, and there's a unity there, but right. also um, ind- individuality that deserves to be appreciated. And and within the Old Testament, um, we ha- we find we find a, a threefold division um, right. between the law, the prophets, and uh, and what they call the writings, um, which is the Psalms and uh, various wisdom. wisdom literature as well. Yep. Um, so basically everything else. Right, everything else. <laughs> and so in there you've got history, but you've also got prayerful texts. You've got this wisdom literature, which is sort of moral exhortation. Um, and you've got prophetic literature, which includes some history, but is more of God's word directly to these historical situations. Right, right. As well. So a, a th- sort of within the Old Testament, there's a, a threefold delineation or distinction. With your family's idea, it's sort of like uh, you've got a big family. You've got, never mind. Never mind. Okay, what else? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. Well, um, here's a question. Should we take uh, Genesis literally? Ooh. Uh, 
Yes, when we properly understand what literally means. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't take it literalistically, but we should take it literally. Literalistically. Not I like literalistically. that. Literalistically. Right. So let right. me let me answer. Uh, by the way, what are you doing answer, asking questions? This is my <laughs> see what show. I, did there? I see what this you did fun. there. Um, <laughs> so um, whenever we read scripture, the church tells us that we need to be attentive to the literary genre. We spoke to this last episode and touched on it brief, briefly uh, at the beginning of this episode. So the, the different books of scripture um, use different literary genres. Some are letters, some are history, some are poetry, and so on. So we need to be attentive to the literary genre of the text. So we need to read a court literally, meaning literarily, according to its literary genre. So when I read Genesis, I need to read it taking its literary genre to account. What is its literary genre? It's easy for me to say what it's not. It's not breathless newspaper journalistic reporting. Dateline, year, day one. The Lord today created the heavens and the earth. And da da da. Um, it's not uh, a cosmological textbook, a scientific mm. textbook. Mm-hmm. It includes realities of what has happened in history, what's what happened in the creation of the universe, but it, it but but they're being told for a different reason. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the fundamental. So especially we're talking here in particular, Father Frankly, about I mean Father Scholten, um about. See what I did there? No Father, problem. Father Frankly. <laughs> no, never, okay, anyway. Um, the first couple chapters of Genesis tell this the two creation narratives. Uh, and, and and this is an age-old, well, not age-old question. It's a decades-old question in the United States. Does this conflict with evolution? Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Is this in op- is, is our religion and science at war with another? They, or they are at war with... No, they're not. Gasp. Be- <laughs> because, because... Genesis does not was not written to tell us how God created the world. It was written to tell us why God created the world and what our role as men and women is within it. And I think that's so you asked Absolutely. me a, you asked me a simple question. Should I read Genesis literally? Yes. But that doesn't mean necessarily what you think it means. Right. So you have this great confidence in saying what Genesis is and what it isn't and what the creation narratives are meant to do and what they're not meant to do. And I was going to ask you another question. My question was going to be, well, how do you know, Dr. Bergwald, what makes you so certain about how you're supposed to read it and how you're not supposed to read it? But I think I'll throw that one back on myself, if that's okay. Oh, please do. Yeah. Great. That's a great question. I I look forward to your answer. Great. Uh, Two parts. Part one, we're part of a church. The Bible grows out of a church. Like we said, well, the Bible grows out of this. The Old Testament grows out of this people, right? The people of the covenant, people of Israel. Um, And and so it's important to ask, how did they understand this? They're the ones, presumably, that will help to understand the context. Um, And secondly, uh, so we have this confidence because this is how the church reads. The church church doesn't read it, has never read it as a science textbook. Right. Uh, You can go back to early... uh, the early church fathers, and they've got beautiful and varied interpretations of, uh, of the first couple of chapters of Genesis. But very rarely do you, uh, do you find that kind of strict bio- biology textbook interpretation. Right. Um, and what they do is, like I said, they can play. And so Origen uh, gives one, Origen, the uh, third century father of the church, great exegete, um, gives one interpretation of the first couple of chapters of Genesis. St. Augustine gives another one in, in his... Uh, 
last few books of the confessions where he sees the days as representing different ages of the world, but, um, but they don't take it, uh, literally. The second reason I think that you can say really confidently that they're not meant to be taken literal as literal history is the fact that there are two accounts, right? And they can't fit together except with, uh, except with great difficulty right. trying to line up the details. You know, in one man is the, at the end is the, is the pinnacle of creation. At the other man is the first one created first one we see. And, uh, and, the rest of the world sort of revolves around or, or is, is meant to be at the service of this, this pinnacle of creation. And so they're both speaking, like you said, about something real, about realities, um, but doing so in a, in a literary fashion. Therefore what? Therefore, uh, we can be confident that, um, okay. that when I t- open these first couple of chapters and I read about a garden and a snake, or I read about different days, uh, that, I don't that I can be confident that uh, that this doesn't present an opposing w- worldview to what the modern natural sciences reveal about this beautiful world that God's created. Be, so, so to me, a couple things there. So, because God is truth, and so whether He reveals something through nature or through Scripture, they can't contradict one another. Truth can't contradict truth. So, if my reading of Scripture um, flies in the face of something which is bona fide, factual truth, as we understand it today from science and so on, then then my either my understanding of science is wrong or my understanding of scripture is wrong. Um, but the other thing I think too, that confidence, Father, comes from reading with the mind, thinking with the mind of the church. Yes. So I, again, so a, a good play, so a good playground, that, the image, that metaphor again, an elementary school playground, most of them, not all, but many of them, especially if they're by a busy street, they have a fence. Yes. Yes. To protect the little <laughs> children from running out into the street. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what the church does in, um, in guiding, guiding us in interpretation of scripture, um, is that uh, the church has, has its fences, right? And its fences aren't meant to constrain. Right. But uh, to keep us, uh, basically, to keep us in the truth, keep us in the truth that Christ has revealed. And so we have the creed. And obviously, if my interpretation of Scripture becomes isolated from the rest of, uh, rest of the context of the faith, and I absolutize it to the point that I'm contradicting an article of faith, something that's been handed on by Christ, uh, well, then clearly something is wrong about my interpretation of Scripture. Right. Um, that's... Uh, that's what I would say about that. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's good because we have less than a minute left. That's right. So my my recap of what we've been saying here is that um, well, this idea of, of freedom and playing in the Old Testament and, mm-hmm. and doing so with the confidence, this is my dad's book, yes. but I need to read it maybe with my older brothers helping me out. That is the saints, the yes. fathers of the church. Um the, with my teachers helping me out, our our popes, our bishops throughout history, the magisterium of the church, but have that freedom that this is an integral part of what God has revealed to us, of the story that he has been telling from the beginning, before the foundation of the world. Absolutely. Be a good summary? Absolutely. Great. Christ himself says, the prophets and the law speak of me. Amen. Thank you for being here, here today, Father. And You're welcome. That, that will wrap, us, wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition with any questions or ideas for, for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. 
click on media and then audio files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.